Hello there, Vlad. Hey, welcome to Cat Pick Friday's episode. Oh, completely forgot. I think this is 26th or 25th episode, but it's also season 2 episode 4. Not to confuse you, but this is very confusing for me, it seems. So, well done me. And once again, I'm joined by Richard Morgan of the Morgan clan, as we learned last week. Uh, who might be feeling a bit tired after attending a certain YouTube event we're going to dive into in just a second. Hello. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good morning. Whatever it is. And it's the Graham clan, not the Morgan oh, that's clan. That's true. My Please mother's side. I forgot. She's the Celt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there we go. I'm going to get it right yeah, next I'm time. I'm tired not. though. That's for sure. Yeah. I can imagine. Uh, yeah. Once again, thank you so much for watching, listening, subscribing, liking, commenting, stuff like that. And as always, this episode available is available both on YouTube and on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And I'm pretty sure you can listen this on the Podbean app as well. And links to those in the description, obviously, as well. Uh, we have a pretty packed episode today. I think we just need to dive in right away and go for things that have happened over the past few days or so. And of course, I messed up something in the intro, but whatever. That happens. Uh, we cooked a little bit that. And yeah, first things first. The reason Rich is tired is because he attended 42 Gear Street number three. Yes. Who's counting? Yes, 42 Gear Street one. Yeah. I was fu fun, I think, and really cool is the fact that you were there as a YouTuber instead of uh, being there as a brand representative. And that's a first for you, right? That is, absolutely. I mean, I've done pretty much all of the YouTuber events. In fact, I think all of them as a brand before, so representing Hughes and Kettner Amps. Since I've been with Blue Guitar, I don't think there's been a single event, so I haven't done one for them yet, oh, but I true. will in future, I guess. But anyway, so for 42 Gear Street this year, when it transpired that Blue Guitar would not be able to take part, for a couple of reasons, I mean primarily at the moment that Thomas is actually on tour, so he's going up and down Germany doing his his thing in the evening. So he wouldn't have sure. been there and he would have personally wanted to be there. And we don't have the Ampex yet. It's not ready, probably until NAM in 2022 in January. And I'd said to Henning, look, I'd love to be involved in any way, shape or form, however you want me there. If you want me to come and be some kind of assistant manager to you during the day, if you want me to be <laughs> a, an assistant producer, switcher, helper whatever, I will come. And he said, hey, you've got a YouTube channel, haven't you? And I said, well, yeah, kind of. And he said, well, you could be a YouTuber. And I said, well, if yeah. you're happy bringing me, I mean, my channel is small, let's put it that way. But as we know, and I guess as everybody knows watching this, they're, they're probably familiar with Henning and everybody in this kind of community, they will know that you do get a mixture of channels. And this year it went from, I think, 730 subscribers to 2.6 million subscribers because Paul Davids was also there. So it was a very wide range of people. And yeah, yeah it's that, it's yeah. It's very different to do it from the perspective as 
a YouTuber compared to that of someone from one of the brands. That's for sure. Mm. It's It was a lot I to bet. learn. And I found myself kind of naturally gravitating towards hanging out a bit with the brand people, which is actually very good if you're a YouTuber, because that's kind of what sure. you're there to do. But I found myself talking to them about brand stuff and industry stuff as well. And I also realized that although I knew all of the YouTubers already, I would have to kind of rewin their, I don't know if respect is the right word, but, you know, sort of prove <laughs> myself to them again as a YouTuber, you know, but Sure. To a man, they were all absolutely lovely. They all gave me the time of day. They all offered to help me out. And I learned so much during the time. That's and awesome. it was it was fun. There are, there are always yeah. mixed events, those YouTuber events, when it comes to the quality and the, the quantity of the videos that come out of it, because they happen live and there are tight time schedules and you just don't know a lot of the time how something is going to turn out. It's also a very yeah. different way to shoot videos for me. I'd never done it like that before, except as the brand person. But then you don't care, you know, you're just there to answer questions. You're not the <laughs> talent, so to speak. So let's see, there's going to be videos coming from me and all the other guys over the next few months, I guess. And there was a lot of interesting gear there. So there should be a lot of interesting videos in theory. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Anything you want to, like any teases you want to give about your upcoming videos? When is this coming out, this video? It's coming out on Friday, Tomorrow. the 27th of August. So, yes. yeah, I'd, next week I will be releasing a video which involves the release of a new affordable guitar from one of the brands Ooh. that was there. It's That's an cool. S-type guitar for about 300 euros. It was very, very impressive indeed. I don't know if I can even say the brand or not. I'm not sure. Can I? You're a YouTuber, Vlad. Uh, you tell me. Am I allowed to do that? I honestly don't know. Depends on the brand also. Like Some are more strict about it. Some don't care that much. Uh, but let's discuss it next week when it's out. Yeah, okay. Because he, he could come for me, the guy from the brand. He knows where I live. So, you know, <laughs> I'm going to be neighbor. careful until then. <laughs> yeah. And there's also, um, I think this is an open secret kind of this other one but um you're familiar with boutique amps distribution of course they do lots sure. of brands like friedman for example and the friedman be mini head is out we discussed that previously on the show i did a nice demo of that and two more Ooh. mini heads which are coming out soon i think in september Ooh. we're going to see the videos for those both very exciting both very interesting and yeah they were Sounds cool like we guessed right with those like when we talk about the mini PE, like we pretty much guessed that, hey, this will not be the only one. Yeah, hey. exactly. You know, w without giving away too much, I can say that the predictions that we had were very, very, very much on point. So that's looking like it's going to be really cool. And I did those videos with people who specialize in the kind of amps that were involved. So there were three videos. I did the Friedman BE Mini with Perfecto de Castro a really, really cool YouTuber from the Philippines based in LA. And I did the two new ones, one with Victor, who is from Rescue Gear and Rescue Studios, who was very, very familiar with the full-size version of this amp, and so was the perfect person to join me to do that. And I did the third one with Trey Xavier from Gear Gods. So you can possibly imagine what mm. direction we're going in musically with that one. Yeah, jazz it was fusion, also a, obviously. Yeah, it was in a guitar tuned to drop A, and it had either seven or eight strings. I can't remember at this point in time, but One or it two wasn't many. a clean amp. Let's put it that way. 
Interesting. Yeah. That's one heck of a teaser. I approve it. But yeah, uh, would you say you are more or less tired than when you come back from these events as a brand representative? I mean, every event is different, but still. More. Interesting. Absolutely more. Yeah. When you're a brand person, it can be very tiring, but it can also be very relaxing. And when you're a brand person, regardless of how busy you are, you also have downtime. Mm. So if you go to those events as a brand, you show up the day before, you bring all your stuff, you put it all out in the studios or on the displays or wherever it's going to go, then you hang out with whoever's there and then the show starts. And during the show Mm. time, obviously you want to talk with the YouTubers, you want to tell them about the products that you have, you get involved in videos, you try and get them to make videos, and you take part in the videos if they want you to, if you're happy to, if you're prepared to do that. And if you're a proactive brand and you like to do your own stuff as well, as has been the history with H&K, you'd make some of your own videos if you could. Um, The Mm. brands themselves don't get slots and times to make videos in Henning's own studios, of course, but you can make them in his garden or out in the street or whatever. And when I was there with Hughes and Kettner at 42 Gear Street, we would always do that. I always had Uva with me, who was my producer, engineer, second man, the man behind the camera, and we would always get stuff done, and that was always really good. But there's always Mm. times as a brand when everybody else is doing stuff and you just get to hang out a bit. You get to sit down and look at the stuff, you get to wait around a bit, recharge your batteries. And in the evenings as well, you also have a bit of a choice. You can come out to dinner with the people if you want or not. I always chose to do that because I thought it was great for the networking. And then afterwards, you can choose to go and hang out and socialize. However, that is happening. You know, often if it's at a bar or a restaurant, people will have drinks, stuff like that. Nothing too wildly Mm. rock and roll. But yeah, when you're a YouTuber, it's for me, it was a totally different challenge and I loved it, but it was a lot more tiring because you'd arrive the day before, you'd go straight to hanging out with people. All the YouTubers were staying in the same hotel. So you'd then hang out in the hotel in the evening, go straight to bed, get up, see them for breakfast, go to the place, make videos kind of all day and then repeat the evening process again. And during the day, if you like to make as much videos as you can, if you want to be busy, like I did, you you find yourself running up and down all the time, you know, making mm. sure that you've got what you need to make the next video, making sure that the people who you want to make the video with are there. And that includes, you know, other YouTubers on screen. And it includes the production team who are behind the scenes, you know, because at Henning's Place, you need someone to switch the cameras for you. You know, you need a producer to make sure everything is recorded correctly, etc. So that's quite tricky. I'd spend also quite a lot of time trying to learn as much as I could about the products before I went on screen because I always like to know as much as I can. That's just the way I am, I guess. And yeah, in the evenings with the few drinks that were consumed, it you get progressively tired every day, you know? Mm. You come fresh and you leave you leave everything behind. And I think for everybody it's extremely intense, but For someone like me, Mm. who personally needs his own time occasionally, a bit of quiet, a bit of time just with my own thoughts in my own head, it's really, really hard work. But I love it, and I would do it again every time, given the opportunity to do it. Mm. And if the show happens again, I don't care if I'm going to be there as a brand guy, or as a YouTuber, or as a production assistant, whatever you want to call it. If I'm going to be there as Henning's personal masseuse, I don't care. I just want to go there and... (laughs) 
you know, meet my friends there and have some fun and, and network and make contacts and just do the thing that I do. That yep. was quite a long monologue. I hope you enjoyed it. Yep. <laughs> As all the viewers and listeners can tell. So, yeah, that's good. I think uh, my, actually, like, now that I think about it, my only experience as just a YouTuber, like, where was just wearing one hat, sort of speak, was the Husingerton event you guys hosted a couple of years ago. Two years ago? Three years ago? I have no idea how years work anymore. I, I think, think it was, two was years, 2019. Summer 2019, yeah. How much has changed since then? Crazy. Yeah. But yeah, that that's yeah, actually like, the event where I was an organizer, where I was playing the Henning yeah. role. And that's possibly mm. the hardest role you can play. Because then, yeah. as well as doing all the other stuff, you have to look after the well-being of YouTubers. And that is the most yeah. difficult thing you can do 24-7. It's worse <laughs> than being like a teacher at a kindergarten or something. I mean, yeah. they're all lovely people, but some of them, you know... You have to have eyes in the back of your head to make sure that you know what everybody's doing, to make sure that they all get to the cars on time to go from A to B. Making sure that everybody has something to eat and something to drink and everybody's brought the stuff that they need to do the video. That's hard. So I have a whole mm. massive load of respect for Henning for not going insane during those events. I mean, he almost yeah. does, but he, he reins it back in. So, yeah. But you were a YouTuber there. <laughs> and I think you yeah, made the most of your time, like didn't you? Yeah, like my exhaustion was partially self-caused because I decided to do the like the jam thing where I had what sixteen people playing on the track or something like that, and like organizing that while I was there was quite a lot of work. I think it was worth it, but yeah, I think I had 16 people play and like do a guest solo on the track. I'm going to throw the link in the in the show notes as well, by the way. But uh, yeah, so that took quite a lot of time. And then there was the whole Rocking 1000 thing, which was <laughs> a lot of waiting, which, uh, and as you mentioned, a lot of people, and I also need my downtime. I'm like a partially introvert, something like that. Half introvert. Like I sometimes love being... Uh, like in a group of people, but but I definitely need my downtime as well. So, yeah. so you're the same as me. I totally the correct get it. term is an, an ambivert. You're like halfway between an what? introvert and an extrovert. I'm an ambivert, <laughs> but I would say I lean more towards introvert if I have the choice. <laughs> yeah, same. So, yeah, I think I understand it, though I haven't experienced it from my brand perspective. I'm going to say yet. Who knows what's going to happen in the future? Yeah, yeah who knows? Really looking forward to the videos that will come out there. I saw one, like the only video I've seen so far has been the one that Paul Davis released with Perfecto de Castro. Like they did like a how to make blues interesting, which was like killer video. And yeah. I love Perfecto. He's like, he's the nicest guy you'll meet. And then like he's, I'm, I'm going to say secretly like, a ridiculously good guitar player and a teacher as well. And I love those kind of guys. Yeah, Perfecto's amazing. I'm saying I think that I about Perfecto because I haven't personally met Paul Davis, so I'd know about him. Okay. Seems but like you've met nice Perfecto, right? We hung out at NAMM yeah. 2020. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think I have Perfecto in like 
two or three of my videos possibly and oh, cool. i also one of them is like a full length interview with him shot in the the post office room at Henning's place, which is just an interview space. Mm. And that's like over an nice. hour long and he tells his whole story and it's it's really, really interesting. So that's going to come out hopefully fairly soon. Awesome. So perfect. That's awesome. Really yeah, good. we met at NAMM 2020 at the Solo Guitars booth. I was just, I think he knew me from someplace because he like, walked, hey, I think I know you. And we just said hi and then we jammed on the Solo Guitars and... We've been friends ever since. He likes to troll my live streams every like anytime he can. So okay, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a very cool yeah. guy. I, and I'm also playing on his. Um, he does a series called Pet Licks, which I think he started Ooh. at the Nam Show, where he just goes round and randomly finds guitar players and says, "Hey, play your Pet Lick for me," which is basically the riff that you just play every time you pick a guitar up. So I'm on that. So that's going to be interesting to nice. see what all of those different YouTubers play. Yeah, really looking forward to that. And uh, from the 42 Gear Street to some new gear, because it seems like I'm getting something new every week. I think this will be like third or fourth week in a row when we have something new. Because, and just a second, uh, I'm going to make myself full screen for a little bit. Uh, no, wait. I think I'm going to do it this way. There you go. Oh. Mm -hmm. The Harley Benton Aeolus is here. It arrived yesterday. Let's uh, do it like this. You don't need to see my face. First of all, it looks way, way better than in photos. Like, the photos don't do it justice. I agree, 100%. I don't know. We've talked about this before, but Harley Benton's photographer, uh, I don't know. The, I mean, this thing looks amazing even on this YouTube stream thingy. And I love the neck joint. It's really cool. And overall, this guitar is on a heavier side. Things, but I think that's something that just happens with budget-friendly guitars. As we talked about before, like, they don't have, like, to stay within a budget, they don't have as much choice of, like, what woods to use. So, if you have a good piece of mahogany or anything else, like, you go with that. And, yeah, it feels like, <clears throat> to me personally, this feels way... By the way, I haven't even plugged it it in yet, I have just jammed on this acoustically sitting on a couch because it arrived yesterday evening and I had a band rehearsal and stuff like that and just haven't had the time. But thread ends are really nice. Overall, it feels like super solid. It was actually in tune when it arrived as well, which is very impressive. And this doesn't feel like a 400 euro guitar to me. This feels like uh, you know, one of those Ibanez AZs uh, that are made in Indonesia that just feel very solid and like I have a I'm kind of getting the same vibes from this one. Uh, really interested to plug this in later today and see how it sounds. But so far, very impressive and I'll be doing like a thorough review or maybe like more like a production demo of this. I don't know. I'm still thinking about like, you, you did the thorough review, so 
We'll see. Very thorough. Is your doorbell <laughs> ringing again? No, I was just Is looking door- around at no. mine because I was just looking at the, the tuners on yours and I was just checking if mine has the same tuners. They're just the regular sort of yeah. kidney bean tuners, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, by the way, this does say it made in Indonesia. Maybe it's the same factory. Who knows? That could be yeah. very possible as well. Like. Yeah, so, probably. Because like, I think if you think about the Ibanez AC, one of the things that does raise the price quite a bit for those is the fact that they, like the Indonesian made ones also come with like Godo hardware and Simodankan pickups and what else is there. So that ups the price quite a bit right away. And yeah, and the only the- thing so far I, I don't like about this, I think this logo is weird. Like, I'm not sure why there's an alpha letter on the headstock. There you go. I think you can see it. I don't get why it's there. To me, it kind of feels like the headstock would have been a bit empty otherwise. You know, there's no trust rod cover on it or anything. And they were kind of like, we need to get a logo for this guitar and it needs to be something that <laughs> yeah. looks kind of high profile and they have you know Aeolus it has the A and the E which is like the you know the Greek is it alpha sure sound that they call yeah, it I and they just alpha. thought we'll get a nice one of those but yeah that's uh, you know of course the other thing that ups the price of the Ibanez guitars is the fact that they have distribution whereas yeah you know Harley Benton they literally get stuff from the factory and sell it but I'm very interested to hear what you think of the Aeolus um I think it's a really, really good guitar, and it's so versatile. I was also surprised mm. at the weight of it when I picked it up. I think it's because it's semi-hollow. You imagine that it's going to be a really, really lightweight, but it's actually mm. kind of solid. It weighs pretty much the same yeah. as my Les Paul does. Um, yeah. But in terms of the quality and the feel for 400 euros, which is the asking price, it feels it feels great. This is the first guitar it's, that it's... I've had sent to me from Harley Benton that... I'm getting very tempted to tell them I'd like to keep it afterwards. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I'm actually going I've, to compare, I've, like, what's the body wood on this? Do you remember? I have forgotten. <laughs> is it it's maho- not mahogany, it's, is it's it? It's not the back? mahogany. Is it mahogany? Sorry? I would have said mahogany. I'm going to search it. I can't believe I've forgotten yeah. it, although it has been a couple of months since I, uh, because, uh, because since I did my Because if it's that, then I'm definitely going to compare it to my own 335-ish type of thing that I have over there. Uh, they're like Mahogany body with a maple veneer top. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah, I'm, d- I'm going to compare it to my self-made 335-ish type of thing. Mahogany body, maple... Maple top as well, and mine has a mahogany neck. This is roasted maples. Maybe that's a difference, but just for the sake of it. But yeah, you should. I compared mine to my Ibanez AS73, which is their take yeah. on the kind of 335 sort of a shape. And the Aeolus did yeah. really, really well. <laughs> yeah. No surprise there, I'd say. Mm. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the next thing, Strymon. Boom. Let's do that. And then do this. Strymon came out with a new pedal. And I think this was a fairly like quick release in the sense that they teased it for like a day or two and then just dropped it, I think. And I think this thing yeah. looks cool. It's a multidimensional phaser. And 
based on the videos I watched today on gearnews.com, they have a couple of Strymon's own videos. Uh, it sounds killer. Though I have to also mention that phaser is not really my thing. Like, out of all the effects, I know, le like, when I get a phaser, I don't really know what to do with it, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> that would be my kind of feeling about it as well. I'm not a huge user of phase. In fact, of modulation in general, I'm not really sure what I would do with this pedal, to be honest. I think it's pronounced mm. Zelza, but I'm not 100% certain. I, I'm sure it has the amazing Strymon quality, and of course... You have two sides, so you have two different options. It can make many, many different yeah. sounds. And it does more than just phase, I think, as well. You can get slightly different modulation sounds out of it, too. Yeah, And of course, yeah, presets and flexibility. But I wonder how many people really need that much flexibility from a phaser. I mean, you could just get a phase 90 for, what, a quarter of the price, possibly? And you get that amazing phase sound. Yeah. What I did like about, like... They demonstrated this with keyboards as well, and I like. I'm still like haven't like fully grasped it. A lot of keyboard play players like to use pedals as well, and it makes total sense. I think this thing sounded even better with keyboards than with a guitar in that video that you can find on the site. Links in the show notes, by the way. Uh, yeah, I assume, yeah, I assume it's stereo, right? So you get that massive yeah. sort of stereo swoosh sound from a keyboard. Yeah. Uh, something I haven't seen on uh, Strymon pedals before, I at least don't remember seeing, is that it actually has USB-C port uh, that allows you to like have computer control the pedal for for like MIDI control. So you can like put this as part of your signal chain, and in your DAW, for example, you can send like commands to this pedal, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I like that. I, it makes sense for them yeah. to include it, I think. It will let you do firmware updates and stuff in the future. Yeah. But yeah, can, can you personally get excited cool about a phaser, Vlad, for 380 euros? Uh, no. But then again, I wouldn't get excited about a 20 euro phaser either, so even yeah, if it sounds killer. Just because I don't know how to use them. Like, uh, I don't, like, maybe I just have avoided all the music that has phaser sounds and, like, I feel I just feel like I wouldn't know what to do with it. <laughs> I've had a few phaser pedals and none of them kind of stayed on my pedal board for a long time because I just don't know what to do with them. Simple as that, to be honest. Yeah. I love the way this looks, by the way. It reminds me yeah. 100% of Cadbury's Dairy Milk chocolate, which is one of the most famous English chocolate brands. <laughs> It's that purple That's true, and the white. The it, it looks it looks tasty. A tasty looking pedal. Yeah. Do you know where yeah. they got the name from? With... Sorry? Do you know where they got the name from? Uh, no. Me neither. Uh, Shame. I, I thought you might. I don't know. Almost sounds like Zelda to me, but that's like a video game and I don't know how you would link Phaser to that. Yeah, to me as well. I googled it and there's basically nothing online except the one thing that I found is that in Los Angeles there is a, a road called Zelza Avenue which runs north to south basically through the entire city. There's a park mm. and stuff like that, Zelza Park, and I assume that it's possibly named after that for some reason. Perhaps there's a yeah. famous studio on that avenue where someone who's famous for phaser recorded or something. 
but I haven't yeah. found that information yet. Yeah, another thing I have to mention is that this week, because I've been at 42 Gear Street, I've totally missed out on the rest of the world, what's been happening, you know? Uh, I literally yeah. didn't look at my phone at all. I, I didn't keep up in touch with family, really. I was just doing that event the whole time. And all these gear releases that you've collected and reminded me of for this show, like I didn't know they'd happen. You know, the Strymon yeah. thing was just a big shock. That was the biggest of all the shocks, actually. And you know what? Yeah. While we're talking about 42 Gear Street, why was a brand like Strymon not there? Because if they'd sent a presence with that pedal, they could have had a bunch of pretty awesome videos coming out. I mean, I know Strymon traditionally doesn't work with YouTubers in that way, but... Yeah, so it seems. That would have been cool. You'd have had 16 videos of YouTubers saying what we've just said. Wow, this is the new Strymon phaser, and I have no idea what to do with it, but please buy one at my affiliate link. <laughs> yeah, could be. Then again, I feel like Strymon is in a position where they just need to drop a new pedal and like people, some people will buy it and then demo it as well because a lot of people are interested in this. Yeah, exactly. Strymon has a very strong uh, fan base who I think... Yeah tend to buy up every new thing that they have. You know, they're massive in the uh, in the worship scene, for example, and this yeah. pedal will sell a, a bucket load, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with, your, with the ability to integrate it into a bunch of different rigs now with the USB MIDI control as well. So Yeah, definitely. That's kind of cool. Because those guys will do like crazy rigs where like, yeah, you can... Yeah, basically you can integrate this and then someone's like electric guitar rig and then just hit play on the computer and we'll do all the sound switching and stuff like that if you want to. So, cool. Can you just do me a quick favor, please, Vlad? This is not going to help the yes. viewers and listeners, but can you please just Google dairy milk for me and tell me that you don't think that <laughs> chocolate bar looks like the Zelza? It does like I even I I knew the brand, so oh, okay, it definitely looks like that. Uh, let me add this to the show so everybody can see that. Uh, oops, sorry. They are, this show is in no way sponsored by what, what's it Cadbury? Cadbury's, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. But it should be, it, shouldn't it? Imagine exactly that. that. If we got free chocolate. <laughs> It looks, oh yeah, it's similar. It's very close. So, now I want to have some chocolate. Thanks. <laughs> if you were offered either a crate full of Cadbury's dairy milk or a Strymon Zelza, what would you take? <laughs> uh, it's the chocolate. You take the chocolate, uh, I can tell. I probably would as well. Depends on how much and what's the expiry date on the chocolate because <laughs> by getting one of these pedals and selling it you can buy a lot of chocolate as well so yeah good point you've thought of it from uh, the business angle yeah i know i have to nowadays with all of the things coming into this studio so yeah you do like, but this looks great I'm, yeah. I'm excited to try this maybe yeah. at the nam show if nam happens i guess strum will be there and we can we can go and test it yeah we shall see. Uh, moving on to the next topic, Gibson. 
let's jump over there and over there Gibson debuts a Jerry Cantrell Bino Les Paul custom and this has also been aged by the Murphy lab we talked about last week there's a guy named Murphy well his last name is Murphy and he runs a small team that aged guitars for Gibson like custom shop instruments and all I can say this looks cool it I does, love this kind it? of wine red finish. Yeah, it, it just works really well. And I usually don't like gold hardware, but on this one, it just works. Yeah, and done. I really like the fact that it is based so closely on the guitar that he's mostly known for. You know, I, I'm not particularly yeah. familiar with Alice in Chains or... Jerry Cantrell. I know him more as a guitar player than I know the band, but he's pretty iconic in the yeah. kind of grunge scene and he's yeah, also very definitely. well known for his use of this guitar and it looks it looks great. I don't see a price anywhere, but I suspect with the Murphy aging that this uh, is going to be I, I did rather expensive. And it's nine thousand euros. Oh yeah, there we go. Nine thousand oh my Goodness. But I mean, I mean, yeah, it's a custom shop that's also Oof. been aged in the Murphy Lab thing. So, yeah, it's yeah. interesting because one of the coolest things for me is that it has the Fishman Power Bridge piezo system, mm. so you can get acoustic sounds out of it. But the pickups themselves are just the pretty standard Gibson 490R 498T. So I was just about to say much... that that's kind of yeah, it's a bit surprising actually. Like if you like them. They man, like they work. Why not? Yeah, hey, I would say if those are the pickups that he uses in his guitar, then that's perfect. Yeah. That's what a signature guitar should be. But it just feels like, you know, I believe they should do a, a non-aged version, which is in kind of the price bracket that, mm. well, I would say normal yeah, people think... can afford, but it would still be probably at least four or five thousand, and that's still yeah, a lot of like money. This is but... lim- looks like this one is limited to hundred units worldwide. Yeah. So that's also cool. And I bet they will sell pretty fast. Yeah, they'll be gone uh, very quick. Yeah. I don't know if this is the uh, kind of guitar like... like you remember the the recent Adam Jones tool Silverburst Les Paul? That was yeah. snapped up straight away. That was also a hundred, I think, in the most expensive version that they did it. And that was sold yeah. straight away so... and was on reverb and eBay within seconds being sold for basically twice what it was retailing for. I'm guessing that this guitar won't have the same kind of, you know, universal value for some reason. Mm, Really hard to tell, to be honest. So, I I don't know. I feel like there might be a bit more mystique around Adam Jones. Somehow, like, that's the vibe I'm getting. Like, he does... I, I think Jerry Cantrell has had, like, a bunch of uh, signature like instruments and amps and stuff like that with Adam Jones I'm not as sure I could be completely wrong about this but like that's the vibe I'm getting so hard to tell uh, I wonder yeah. like last week we talked about the Gibson Murphy Lab like there was a review on uh, what what was the guitar.com I think maybe yeah uh, and like in the review, they mentioned that the plastic parts on that aged instrument weren't aged. I wonder, I wonder like, what's the deal with this one? Uh, it seems like the hardware has been aged. 
So that's cool. But I wonder if the plastic parts are again like brand new, which sounds really weird to me. Like if you're going to age the instrument, it needs like it will look weird if the pick card is like brand new. Yeah, we can't quite see it from the images, but I, I feel like True. just looking at that image, it looks like the knobs and the the pickup selector switch tip and the tuners, they look pretty brand new to me just from here. Mm. Uh, I am seeing like worn out like gold thing on the bridge. So I think the hardware was aged and they mentioned that in the article uh, on gearnews.com. Uh, but hard to tell about the pick card from this photo. Yeah, it's it's a super cool guitar. And I would also say, you know, if you're a, a Jerry Cantrell or an Alice in Chains fan, if you've mm. got 8,000 euros anyway, you're going to be all over this because it's probably going to be an amazing guitar. Yeah. At least fingers crossed for that price. It better be. <laughs> <laughs> for this money. Personally, yeah. Yeah, personally, I would prefer out of the two of these recent signature models, I would have gone for the Adam sure. Jones Silver Burst, but that's mostly a looks thing. Yeah. True. What about you? Hmm. I kind of lean towards this one. Kind of associate myself a bit more with this one, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Uh, yeah, I'm just, just trying to read stuff here as well as we go. Like, if I had the money, I'm not sure. Like, if I if I had those nine thousand euros to spend, I'm not sure if I would get either of these. But it was if I had to choose, like, I'd probably go with this one because I feel like this is that Adam Jones one kind of screams a bit more, I guess, metal to me. With the sil silver burst somehow like looks more metal music oriented to me for whatever reason. This one is kind of a very classic thing. I could play this anywhere. Yeah, I think but I know I what you keep mean. Keep it in the I... case all the time because it's such an expensive instrument. <laughs> oh, now my doorbell is ringing. Hang on, I'll be back. And we're back. We had a doorbells ringing and kids crying type of situation like one of us like each of us had one of those things happen at the same time and we're back <laughs> and we yeah we're it's not like one of us has next... a yeah we don't have kids who are yeah. scared of doorbells ringing or anything like that that would be terrible wouldn't it <laughs> that would be annoying like like <laughs> we don't have like any kids in the neighborhood here who would like do those kind of pranks i think at one of the places we lived somebody used to do that and that was super annoying and that's why I, I used to do that when I was in able school. To use, like, damn yeah. you, kids. <laughs> like, yeah. One of those days, these days, I'll get to do that. Really looking forward to that. You will, yeah. Uh, yeah, moving on to some sadder news because the Rolling Stones drummer, Charlie Watts, passed away, was it yesterday? A couple of days ago. Mm -hmm. And yeah. yeah. Those are some sad, sad news. He was a pretty, I'm going to say legendary drumble. I like, over the years, like, even though I'm not a like, huge Rolling Stones fan, I'd really, really appreciate them. Some of their biggest hits are freaking amazing. 
and like really iconic as well. And yeah, I think like a lot of the stuff I've heard about the band is like how Charlie's drumming and Keith Richards' guitar playing were like the two things. I think a lot of, they did in a way where Charlie would kind of actually follow what Keith is doing, and that's kind of part of this like, like part of the groove of the band. Uh, I think you're okay. not so mm-hmm. I'm not completely wrong about this, or are you just nodding because I'm talking so well? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm nodding because I'm agreeing, and that was something I didn't know. Yeah, it's very sad news. I mean, he was an amazing drummer. He was originally yep. a, a jazz drummer and suddenly got in with the Rolling Stones as a young man, and I think 1963 was when he was first in the band so basically right from yeah. the start he's one of only three members you know with Mick and Keith who were on all of their studio albums I think he did yeah. 30 studio records and 30 live albums or something like that he was such a like a metronomic drummer like so precise and so good and I don't think he lived the rock and roll lifestyle in the same way as some of the rest of the band did. (laughs) You know, I think many people, we often joke about how is Keith Richards still alive? Is he immortal? Whatever, we we don't know. But um, yeah, Charlie Richards was, sorry, Charlie Watts was away from all that kind of stuff. He was a a gentleman and a very Mm. well-dressed gentleman as well and an an amazing drummer. And this is is terribly sad news indeed. You you can see from the tributes that have been left how important he was to the band and how important he was to many many other people as well so we Mm. lose another of the great legendary iconic rock stars you know yeah yeah Yeah, there's plenty on him about him in the press and I recommend anyone watching this who doesn't really know the story of Charlie Watts and or the Rolling Stones read up on it and it's it's very very interesting indeed. He was a great person and a great mm. a great musician as well. He'll be sadly missed. Yeah, absolutely. And apparently they were actually planning for a tour. As yeah, well. he he so wasn't going to be on that tour because he oh, yes. recently or fairly recently undergone surgery for for something. It wasn't made public what it mm. was, and they had a stand-in drummer then, and he was yeah. not going to be taking part in this tour either. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Watts had played on 30 studio albums and over 30 live albums with the band. That's absolutely incredible. Yeah, there you go. What a what a career he had. Wow. Yeah, like what I can also appreciate like having seen some of like live clips from Rolling Stones like for from like fairly recent times like the whole band was like they were still like playing really well. It wasn't like with some of these bands where it's like you guys could, should have quit like years ago type of thing. Uh, yeah, but like they were still like <laughs> really good. So yeah, hats off to the whole band for being able to do that. So for that many years, that's absolutely incredible. Yeah, and, yeah. and the. The band itself still goes. I mean, I, I assume they'll continue. I'm, I'm not sure. But yeah, for anyone yes. out there who hasn't really listened to any Rolling Stones, 
go and give some of them a listen over the weekend. That's something I will also do because I've never really listened to yeah. that much of the Rolling Stones beyond a lot of the, the great hits, mm. but I know they have a bunch of amazing albums. I just always went towards the Beatles direction. because I think a lot of people yeah. tended to go Beatles or Rolling Stones, and for me it was always the Beatles. So, Yeah, there's definitely that great debate. Like, Yeah. Some people prefer Stones and some people prefer Beatles. And I think my first like proper introduction to Rolling Stones was Guitar Hero 3, actually. Because oh, yeah. one of the songs on that in that game was um, oh, on, not Sympathy for the Devil. That's the uh, one I got to know through Guns N' Roses, but uh, Painted Black. And oh, okay. I played yeah. through the whole game a million times and really got to know that song. It's a, it's an iconic song and like one that has stood the test of time incredibly well. It just still sounds really cool and unique. And I don't think like it's one of those songs like kids hear those in like that song in a bunch of movies, even though they don't might not know it's Rolling Stones, like they might know the song from yeah exactly yeah so yeah yeah i'm going to do the same i need to dive into some sort of rolling stones playlist and get myself more familiar with the band because i have listened to for example like it's been a few years now that the beatles like the collection album was finally allowed on spotify so i've played Mm -hmm. through that bunch of times but i think now it's time to dive into rolling stones as well and then we can have a debate who's better. That will be a good <laughs> or one. Or maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, moving on to some gear stuff again. Again. Uh, I don't know. That, that's not a word because I was lo- looking at Headrush MX5. That's where the X came from. <laughs> <laughs> and they basically released a smaller version of the big Headrush pedal board, which is kind of similar to Helix in many ways. Uh, the one big okay. difference is the fact that this one, as the bigger Headrush pedal board as well, comes with a touchscreen and looks really fun and easy to operate. And I've actually tried the bigger Headrush pedal board back in the day when it came out a few years ago. I'm not sure how long ago it actually is. But it's out there's few demo videos available on YouTube as well. And well, before I say anything else, have you ever had the chance to try the head rush thing? No. And until 42 Gear Street last weekend, I'd basically mm-hmm. never even done anything with a Helix. Oh, I, I see. still kind of haven't because the one I really <clears throat> tried at 42 Gear Street was the Pod Go which is kind of a bit like a Helix. But the one thing that I noticed very quickly when they were explaining me, the the guys from Line 6, how the pod go and how the Helix worked, I was straight away asking them, hey, so can I do this via touchscreen? And they were like, no, you have to go through the menus and do it like this. And I just thought a (laughs) touchscreen would work really well for that kind of stuff. You know, for example, if you've got a pedal in the chain somewhere and you want to move it around or whatever... And just seeing this head rush, which I hadn't heard about because it came out or was announced when I was away, that looks Mm. much more intuitive and user-friendly in that sense. I guess where it 
lives or dies will be on the tones, right? Yeah, and that's where my complaints kind of start. Uh, so okay. my first experience with the head rush, uh, the bigger board, is at a local store a few years ago. I'm not sure, is it two, three, four years ago, whenever that came out. And I'm going to say, like, user interface-wise, having uh, tried the bigger Helix, uh, the Helix Stomp, having tried the big head rush, head rush is just, it's a whole different level. It's almost like comparing, like, touchscreen phones to... For like phones that have a big display, but you can't really use the touch screen type of thing. Like okay. there's that big of a difference, I think, when it comes to user yeah. interface. But sound-wise, like all the demos I checked are uh, from bad to okay. And I wonder if it's like, if it comes down to the fact that maybe they ship these units with pretty bad IRs or something. Because for example, the Beatthorn demo on this thing he didn't use a single stock cabinet. He always used like external uh, impulse responses, and then it sounded good. But okay. any stock stuff, like the, I saw a video where somebody just went through a bunch of like stock presets. Uh, I'm gonna say those sounded bad. For 2021, those sounded pretty bad. There's so much competition okay. happening in modeling world. Uh, this doesn't get close to pot goals or anything like that. With the stock cabinets, at least. There's okay. like this I shrill be interested to modeling. Try it now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's this kind of shrill modeling high end thing that used to be a thing with all the models, but isn't really anymore. Somehow they managed to bring it back. And because, and I also like wonder whether it's actually like. It's uh, uh, the head rush, by the way, uses like there was a thing called Avid uh, 11 rack at some point. Or like, yeah. I think that company was actually, or actually, it was like a DG design that Avid then bought, and they had this kind of rack modeling unit, which was a big thing uh, 10, 12 years ago, something like that. And basically, the modeling technology in this one is from that unit. And I, I personally don't think like the AMP modeling itself has improved that drastically since then, but the difference is in the cabinets and like IRs more than in anything else. And something that Ola England, for example, kind of proved because he compared pod to to a helix. And with the cabinets both kind of host, it wasn't even close, but as soon as he disabled the cabinet uh, or like impulse responses on the pod, co pod 2 and used his own IRs on both. They were so much more close. And pod 2 is from like 2000 or something. Yeah. And I, my guess is that these just come with bad IRs. And that could be yeah. it. I mean, that that will work against them. Quite a lot, I would imagine, because this MX-5 is selling for £429, according to the article, and mm. you have so many other options in the modeling yeah. ballpark right now for that kind of thing. Everything from Moore up to, you know, the Line 6 Helix stuff and then going up to the, the higher price stuff. But if, even in this price range, I think, is the Helix Stomp maybe even more affordable than this one? Hmm... I think it's roughly the same. 
Okay, but so that's then a direct sure. sort of competitor, another kind of yeah. small item that you can put in your gig bag. And I think it's going to be very difficult for a lot of people to to choose the headrush over the Helix Stomp if they know that the headrush comes with IRs that are below average. Yeah. And like a lot of people are going to try these in the stores as well. And that's something I've never understood. Like if you're presets sound like what who creates those presets and goes like oh yeah this sounds good this is going to impress a lot of people like i don't get it with ir presets because obviously you want to make that just sound as as good as it should sound but mm. when it comes to the the old modelers i know for example you've done a video with one of your old zooms right yeah g6 whatever it was called uh, the presets uh, on those five. older modelers they always used to be super extreme and i think that's because yeah the companies wanted to show how extreme you could get. Yeah. So if there's a distortion preset, they want to show you full-on metal distortion because you know that you can turn it down and have anything up to that. If the preset was just kind of a quite nice low-gain distortion, you might not think that you could do more with it. I don't know. That's my my take on it. But yeah. I totally agree that modern-day devices like this shouldn't have any bad presets on them whatsoever. Of course, you can imagine that you would improve them by buying external IRs or whatever, but you want a one-box solution that can do everything, don't you? Yeah, exactly. I mean, this thing looks killer. If like you look at the photo, it looks really good. Yeah. looks like a solid unit. It has an expression pedal as well, which uh, only like the bigger Helix and now the Pod Go have, but the Pod Go is more limited like functionality-wise than this one because apparently this has all the processing power of the bigger Headrush as well. Just okay. smaller. So I'm kind of annoyed that it doesn't sound that good. Based on the demos, at least. Like based on the demos, I wouldn't buy it. That's that's the problem I have. Like I can get excited about everything else, all the ins and outs on this and stuff like that. But then it just doesn't sound good in any videos I've seen. Or like it sounds inferior to a lot of other stuff that's out there. That's my issue with this one. The user interface is so cool. You can like drag and drop pedals in a different order and stuff like that. Like you're doing on an iPad or something. Hmm. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. It, it looks great. Um, yeah. Definitely. I tried the the Podgo, the Line Six mm. Podgo at Forty Two Gear Street the other day, and I think that's cheaper than this MX Five. And although it was a lot more difficult to control stuff, to do things with it because it doesn't have mm. the touch screen. We got great sounds out of that Podgo. I was very surprised yeah. at how nice it sounded with a tiny little bit of tweaking. Yeah. Yeah, like a uh, few friend, friends of mine only like use Helix stuff or they worship sets and stuff like that. And yeah, I think it was last week I was visiting a friend and we like just... I ended up playing like a bunch of his guitars and then uh, just also tried a bunch of presets he had on his big Helix unit. And it's a lot of fun. It sounds really good. And something like this would be perfect because my problem with Helix Stone, for example, was that it was so freaking annoying to control. Like if you need to adjust the preset on the go, that tiny display and like you rotating the knob all the time to get to the right spot, then need, you need to remember to click things in a proper order and stuff like that uh i think like they made 
they made the best they could with the screen space, like a screen estate they have. But this is on such a different level. And it sounded really good in the demos. I might be like, actually wanted to get this for like live stuff. So I don't have to carry my gigantic studio board with me everywhere. Not that yeah. I do that anyway, but like this, this would be like a perfect thing to go on like all of these church gigs. Sometimes like I might get a call on a Saturday evening that, hey, can you be here on a Sunday morning type of thing? And if I had something like this, it's really fast to throw in a rig together and just go. They should have yes, called this exactly. Headrush Go. They should have, yes, but I suspect right. that another company might have had a problem with that. You never <laughs> That's know. That's true. I'm definitely kidding. But yeah, uh, if someone has seen a demo where this thing sounds actually like sounds good, leave us a comment in the uh, YouTube video because I I want to get excited about this, but I just can't based on the evidence that's online right now. Yeah, there's that. And <laughs> let's jump into something maybe a little bit controversial, I would say, but this was this was very interesting. I think this, this stuff started popping out uh, up like yesterday evening or something like that. And basically, oh, come on, work. There you go. Uh, there's a guy who's been on the cover of Nirvana's Nevermind album. And 25 years since its release... And five years after talking to GQ magazine about his experiences, the guy whose photo is on the album cover is suing Nirvana and the all the uh, labels and stuff like that. And this is a very, very, very weird case. And like, I, I'm not sure how to approach it, to be honest, because... Uh, the guy, uh, what's his name, El Elden, Spencer Elden, uh, he was four months old when this photo was taken, and obviously, like, the dollar bill and the fish hook you can see on the album cover was, like, they were added in the post, so, uh, his parents had a friend who was a photographer and took this photo, and it ended up being on Nirvana's album cover, and as you know, the album absolutely exploded and sold has sold over 30 million copies worldwide since 1991. And, yeah. The weird part about this lawsuit, right away, is the fact that uh, this guy, uh, again, um, Spencer Eldon, Mr. Eldon has been completely fine with this thing for many, many, many years. And he's actually talked to GQ about how him being on that album cover and him like telling the story of him being on the album cover has opened a lot of doors for him over the years. And he got to work with someone who he really wanted to work with. I'm trying to remember like, yeah. Uh, some famous artist, he got to work with that artist by just telling his story and stuff like that. He actually has a huge Nirvana Never mind tattoo on his chest as well. And all of a sudden, he's suing Nirvana. And 
the claims are also like this is uh, like child pornography and sexual exploitation and stuff like that. And we try to be very careful here. Like uh, these are things that need to be taken seriously, but also it's kind of a little bit hard to take this seriously from a guy who's been using this, uh, like uh, this thing uh, to get to places, to get to work with people. He has a tattoo. He has actually like participated in a couple of different photo shoots as well, where they've kind of recreated this album cover as he grew up as well to celebrate the different anniversaries the album has had. And now all of a sudden he feels this way. So I'm a bit confused what's going on here, to be honest. Do you think he has any chance of winning the case? Uh, I'm going to say they might probably settle for something. Maybe even out of court. And just be done with it. Because uh, based on the article on the BBC website, uh, like uh, for example, like non-sexualized photos of in infants are generally not considered child pornography under U.S. law. Though there is like a an angle where like the amount of exposure he has had over the years because of this, it could be a little bit different. But then again, him giving an interview six years ago about this, that he this has been a great thing for him. It's a bit weird, but it's like a great thing for him as well, unless actually opened the doors. And Apparently what made him, like he's also publicly stated that the thing that made him consider this lawsuit was the fact that he has, he's an artist and apparently fairly successful one as well. And he has, he's coming up with an art exhibition and he tried to get the Nirvana guys. So Dave Grohl and Chris, what's it, Novoselic? What's his last Novoselic, name? Novoselic, How do you yeah. pronounce it? Yeah. He tried to get them to participate in the exhibition somehow, and uh, apparently he was fr frustrated that he was just kind of directed to talk to the lawyers and representatives of those people. And that's what made him think, hey, we are not okay about this like album cover. He has publicly stated that as well, so <sighs> it's difficult for me to see there's a case here, but then again, I think uh the two guys from Nirvana have the means to just pay him off and be done with it, which I would actually think might be a great solution. I don't think you there's a yeah this this is such a unique case that you're not like setting a what what's the word precedent yeah for other people to precedent. do anything like that because this is such a unique case that yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, from a this legal is... standpoint, it probably is a very interesting case for the, you know, for the lawyers, the attorneys, and the judge to work on. It's something that's mm. way over my head, of course, because I'm not a lawyer or anything like that. But on the one hand, you can go back to the start to when the photograph was taken and say, yeah, he didn't give his permission for that to happen at the time. Yeah. Because he was a baby and he probably couldn't. But we assume his parents did. And since then, he's gone on to make a pretty decent life and career 
probably almost exclusively from having been in that photo. Yeah. And of course, you can't measure that. And now he's going against it. It's uh, it's a tricky one. And you know the way the articles mm. are all written, it's hard to find sympathy for his side. You know, if you look at the sure. quotes, if you consider the exploitation angle and stuff like that, it's a bit strange. Yeah. But the law works in mysterious ways, doesn't it? And sure. I really wish I'm... that we could have a lawyer friend or two who could come on and mm. tell us what they think. Mm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and I actually, I need to correct myself a little bit. Uh, he didn't give an interview to GQ. He talked to The Guardian uh, six years ago, and he said that uh, being a part of this photo, it's always been a positive thing and open doors for me. Quote from him, and again, quote, uh, this was six years ago, so he was, I'm 23 now, and an artist, and this story gave me an opportunity to work with Shepard Ferry for five years, which was an awesome experience. He's a huge music connoisseur. When he heard I was in was the Nirvana baby, he thought it was really cool. And yeah, so him giving these quotes will definitely work against him in the court. But then again, as you mentioned, these are tricky things. And also, like, times have changed since 1991. It's, what, 30 years ago. Damn it. That's a lot. Uh, <laughs> like, things that were okay, maybe a bit more okay, then might not be okay now. But can you sue for that? That's a question as well. So, yeah. Yeah, that is a tough question. Who can we bring on who can help us understand this a little bit more. We need to find somebody. We need to find somebody. We need to message him today probably to start organizing this because it would be really interesting to talk about these kind of things. But yeah, yeah because uh, we've had like, we've discussed two or three separate sort of legal cases on this Cat Pick Friday yeah. show in the past couple of months, I think. There's been a couple of pedal issues there was Gibson stopping Mojo Hand making a pedal. There was someone mm. else stopping someone else making something, and now there's this. Yes. Let's get someone yeah, that was on the who origin can tell effects us thing the true and story. Mojo Hand. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that was the one. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to throw a couple of articles in the show notes if you want to read them yourself and make your make up your own mind about this case. Uh, but yeah. We're trying to be careful here, not taking sides. Uh, yeah. Should be an interesting case to follow. But as you mentioned, like the overall opinion seems to be like uh, you waited for 30 years. So let's say you waited for 20 years. And like when you, you're 20 and then you maybe start thinking about it, maybe then you sue or something like that. But he's 30 <laughs> at this point. And yeah. So, stuff like that. And we are actually bringing back a segment that we haven't had for a little while because we want to bring back a thing called Weekend Watch. And from legal cases to this, let's dive in there. Just a second, though. Watch it! Watch it! Watch it! Watch it! Watch it! Watch it! Video! It's not like you have anything else to do. This 
week's weekend watch is not that one. Uh, there you go. Uh, I know Gibson isn't cool anymore because of a bunch of stuff they've done, but <laughs> I gotta say, this uh, Icons series on the YouTube channel is just amazing. I watched the whole episode about Dave Mustaine from Megadeth, and I was really positively surprised, like, how he talked about his days in Metallica, then, then a little bit about the early years of Megadeth and, like, the struggles they had and, like, some near-death experiences they had on their first tour and stuff like that, and what it was like to be diagnosed with throat cancer and how, for example, uh, Bruce Dickinson from Iron Maiden helped him to gain some perspective on that and stuff like that. So just a really, really interesting interview and I highly recommend you check it out. There's also like Kirk Hammett, uh, Tommy, Tony Iommi and probably other people as well. And I'm guessing they will be putting out more of these episodes in the future. Just a fantastic watch. Highly, highly recommended. And it's like a good hour or so. And they go pretty deep into his history. And also, like, it, the production value on this video is incredibly high. So, well done, Gibson. I'm not I'm not saying that too often lately, but <laughs> well done, Gibson. I, I was really impressed about this. Yeah, I haven't seen so, it, and it looks incredibly cinematic. It almost yeah, looks like he's no. the emperor in Star Wars or something from that <laughs> little clip that we're looking at right now. So yeah, I'm definitely going to give that a watch over the weekend. Yeah. Yeah, I'll recommend it. I I can't wait to watch the Kirk Hammett one as well because um, I kind of didn't know him as a person that much. I've obviously watched the... It's some kind of monster. I think that's the documentary they made uh, when they recorded Saint Anger. And that's like a classic yeah. Well, it's it's a really weird to watch them searching for a new bass player while also trying to record and like a bunch of guys going through rehab at Kirk raising his horses and all of that kind of stuff. It's also <laughs> an amazing watch, but I don't think that's available on YouTube. Maybe it is, but yeah, highly recommend checking this one out. Again, show notes contain the link to this thing and yeah, I'm pretty sure, like even if you're not a fan of Megadeth, like, they are a huge part of, like, just this rock history. And especially with the ties to Metallica as well and stuff like that. So, yeah. Give it a watch and let us know what you think. And as always, yeah, if it. you have, like, uh, uh, Weekend Watch recommendations, if you think, like, other people will enjoy something a bit... Something that you could consume during the weekend, like a proper long interview or anything like that, let us know in the comments down below as well. And I think it is the end of Cat Pick Friday's episode. I think this is 25 or 26. I'm always forgetting. I don't I don't know if it actually matters at all. <laughs> I'm focusing on completely wrong things. And we need to go we need to let reach rest as well after hard days of um, producing content and hanging out with people. No, I mean, it's really exhausting. I'm, I'm Hard days, like, making videos, getting food brought to you, hanging out in the evenings. It's a tough <laughs> life, but someone has You're to do helping. it. Yeah, I was like <laughs> trying to make you 
like trying to not like mock you for that, but there you go. Now, how about this as well then? Like during the event, I also did some of my day job work. I was doing some blue guitar things on the side, preparing the live stream video, which would have gone out last night. And I even did a couple of bits of freelance work for other companies Mm. I work for during that time. And I was doing that in my hotel room in the evenings. So that's actually probably what tired me out more than the actual Gear Street stuff. Mm. But there you go. If you work freelance, holiday is not the same thing as it is when you just work in a company. And when tasks come in, you do them. So yeah, it's all good. I'm going to get to sleep now. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Uh, A quick story from my, like when I was starting my summer holiday, so like first days of uh, July, I was like, okay, I'm done. I can finally like, uh, like I have had all the videos and social media posts scheduled and all of that. And then like, I think I started my holiday like on Sunday and then on Monday, like Sunday, Monday night, I get an email from one of uh, uh, the guys who had bought the VIP version of the songwriting course. And I was like, I'm not, I can't let this guy wait for four weeks before I'm back in the office to give him feedback on his song. So I just <laughs> had to do it. I mean, it was super fun. I love doing the, those kind of things, like listening to the song and like recording my reactions to it as well and stuff like that. But <laughs> that's what it's like. Poor me. Boo-hoo. So, yeah, poor you. You yeah. had people, you know, buying your course and relying on your expert input and... You had to work on a day or two of your holiday. No, I know how it is. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's a different thing when you're like you, you are your own kind of company and brand and you're responsible for it. You know, when you work in a a larger company and you're just one piece of a a cog in a big machine, you can go away for a couple of weeks. You can put your Mm. out of office email on and come back afterwards and deal with everything. And generally nothing has really happened. But if if you're just you, if you're Vlad at Capix Studios or whatever, then yeah. there isn't assistant Vlad doing your stuff while you're on holiday for four weeks. So that's how it is. That's life. Yeah. Not complaining, yeah, maybe but it's, one it's of a the, different way of doing things. Yeah, maybe one of these days this will be such a successful business that I'll have an, an assistant. That'd be cool. But yeah. we're not there yet. If we will <laughs> we shall see. But yeah, thank you so much for watching and listening. Thank you, Rich. Go have your rest. And if you're watching this on Friday, have a great weekend. If you're watching this some other day, happy that day, whatever that means. That was very random. Mm-hmm. All right. Links to everything in the description. I forgot to mention the timestamps, but I think people will find those anyway. And yeah, we shall see you next week. And as always, Bye podcast. Bye podcast.